0: Welcome to the Grumpy Metalheads Podcast with the Heavy Metal Strength Coach and Shrub666. Hi guys and welcome to another Grumpy Metal Heads podcast. I'm the Heavy Metal Strength Coach and I'm joined as ever by my brother in metal, Shrubs 66 six, motherfucking 6 and it is another history of British black metal episode and we covered Cradle of Filth over approximately 48,000 episodes and we decided that at the year 2000 um, we'd had enough of that and it's time to move on to our latest band and this band is Thus Defiled Shrubs. Tell me about
1: This band has been around since 1991. They officially started as Unholy Deification and then changed their name at some point shortly after that into thus defiled so according to everywhere everywhere it seems to be around 1992 that they they basically formed into thus defiled they're from the south coast they're from worthing which is where half my family come from that part of the world so I know worthing a little bit but yeah they've been around since then from what most of the stuff I can remember they are mostly more known as a touring band so they weren't one of these bands that didn't weren't overly prolific in terms of releasing masses of stuff but seemed to be getting on like good tours and getting <laughs> well known through good tours. So, so yeah so that that's how I kind of remember thus defiled being as a band they just seemed to be on on shows every time I was in London for a show or something they, they a bit like of filth at that time they they were put on it on it as well so they started around then the main guy a guy called Paul C we don't have any other name for him other than Paul C he's been the mainstay throughout uh, since 1991 and is still still in the band to this day a lot of other members there's one uh, a guy called Paul Paul F, who's on guitars as well, he's been in it since '98, and then... are they are they all called Paul. <laughs> no, strangely not. No, luckily, just the, the just the, the the main vocalist guitarist and and the other guitarists that they're, they're just called paul but well, there's three um, balls in this band no just two Just two. Okay, okay. yeah there's only ever been just two but they all seem to use just the first name and then an initial for the last name so they're all like that and currently at the moment they've got a guy called Chaz f playing bass and stuart j playing drums and they have beat those two have been in the band since 2006 so over that, over that time they've had two other guitarists Three other bass players and another drummer. So they've had a few lineup changes throughout the years. Most of them, it was sort of like the, the one that was just basically recorded the demos and then, then left. The rest of them sort of like stayed around until 2000 ish and there there was some that were in between the 2000 and 2006 and then that's it basically so this lineup as far as I'm aware is still stable to this day but yeah it, it's there are they are a black metal band but they kind of started out more death metal oriented which which is very similar to like Cradle of Filth Cradle of Filth were very much more uh, at the very beginning more death metally especially when you listen to like the demos and that sort of stuff and and the pre cradle of filth bands um they were very much more death metal than they were black metal and the they then progress into it and this one's pretty much the same so when we get to the first demo which was released in 1993 four tracks of this and the best track is the in- intro <laughs> 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 yeah it, the version i've got the the intro is like six minutes long uh, um when you look on metal archives or something like that it says it's like less than a minute but the version I've got is like six minutes long. And and the production of that intro is amazing. Really is properly good. And you're thinking, oh, looking forward to that when this first track kicks in. If, if the production sounds like this, then we're in for a treat. Then the first track kicks in. And that's all taken away from you. <laughs> the quality of it, it is awful. It's... it's almost nowadays it's almost unlistable so i don't know what they how they've managed to rip this somewhere i think what they did is they found an old cassette player played it through those speakers and literally shoved a microphone against the speaker to record it onto digital format somewhere um (laughs) because it's honestly it it's almost unlistenable his vocals you can still hear those and they're very very death metal growls um they're very deep it's not like the the shrieking vocals that we used to from a lot of the scandinavian bands that were around at the time and that type of harsh vocal that you get with a lot of black metal bands it's very very death metally y it, it, musically it's still very very death metally. there's some there's some proper waspy fast bits but not enough and it's very difficult to hear it because the quality is really poor for the remaining tracks on on that demo anyway so but they did they did manage to get some support slots out of this with bands like Blasphemy and Gore Guts at the time so again you got Blasphemy which is doing like death metal but more in the realm of black metal lyrics and then you get Gore Guts which are doing straight death metal so you can kind of see the bands that they were going on back then uh, you'd get you'd get a mixture of styles going on a tour anyway you wouldn't find like a list of all death metal bands just playing the show you would get all sorts of stuff thrown on it. Is, um, that, is
0: that first uh, demo called Blasphemous Coven?
1: That's the one, yeah, Blasphemous yeah, Coven. Yeah, and you'll be able um, to find that on YouTube, so that will be in the show notes for us. That's that's definitely available on there somewhere. The next one they released actually come out, it was distributed by, it was recorded at Pink Dog Studios. I don't know that much. In fact, both these demos, and it was done later that year. It got released by, yeah, there was it, uh, Mada Idala Productions, the second demo, Enchanted by the Dark One. And the sound quality on this was much, much better, although it was only I think it's only literally about six months difference between them. Yeah, released. There is no release date for Blasphemous Coven, so I don't know exactly when. it I just know it was in 93. Yeah, sometime I,
0: 93,
1: yeah. Yeah, because it was recorded in April 93, supposedly, and then this one was recorded in August 93, so it was released later, obviously shortly after that, that period of time. I think back then they didn't hang around too long after recording stuff to start getting these demo tapes out, if I remember rightly. A lot of uh, bands.
0: Some, something that I've just spotted now is um, on this cassette, and this gives us a nice link to Cradle of Filth. It says, thus defiled, wish to thank the follower," And there's some like just generic names in there. But one of the names on there is Cradle of Filth. And um, I always like it when one band links to the next one. So I wonder what influence uh, Cradle of Filth had I'm thus defiled
1: at this point i don't think a great deal i think later on when i get into the the two albums you start to hear keyboards more but not to the level that cradle of filth used keyboards that this is more keyboards you'll use more with this band more as atmospheric additions rather than with cradle they started to use it as actual musical additions so more than just atmosphere atmospherics they were using it for so Whereas this band, is very much more around creating, uh, adding some atmospheres around some of the songs, but on these two demos, it's not there. Uh,
0: the, and really they it. also thank Primordial as well, which I think is pretty cool because we love. That yeah,
1: album. yeah. I, I think this is mostly because they were thanking bands that they've played with and toured with. Yeah, you know, so you that you'll find that they would have been going around in the early '90s together, playing pubs and clubs wherever they could. You know, that was back in the days when. When people said they were doing a UK tour, UK tour, and you saw like 15, 20 dates because they'd be playing every piss pop in in the country, you know. I,
0: I just, I just love that on this little strip of paper that they have with these cassettes that they've found the space to thank so many different people. I think that's just quite wholesome and nice. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. It, you always used to go and have a look at the thank list and see who they thanked on on a lot of these. So yeah, it, it's. It's quite cool. And like you say, again, that was another way in which people found out about other bands that they might not have seen because we didn't, back in the 90s, we didn't have the internet to go trawling around. We didn't have Bandcamp. We didn't have Spotify, didn't have Apple Music. None of that was available to us at all in the early 90s. So the only way you got to know about new bands was word of mouth and magazines and thanks lists. That was realistically the only way you usually got Got round to hearing about stuff like that so it, they were a massive way to promote that scene that's really so, cool
0: so after those first two demos what then happened
1: they then went into the studio in it looks like february march 95 and recorded through the impure veil of dawn which i think is an amazing album title <laughs> yeah it, it's a, it, it's quite a raw sounding album so it sounds a little bit more like the scandinavian black metal uh, scene around that time you know with mayhem emperor that that type of stuff dark throne um it, it kind of had that rawness to it i don't i'm not a big fan of this album of theirs i don't um, it, it just i think there's just something lacking in the songwriting and the production's probably not helping it too much because i think some some stuff just seems to Disappear. Like uh, the bass isn't very, very strong in it. The drums at times sound a bit sloppy. I don't know. There's just something about this album. There are, there are some standout tracks on this album, like "A Crimson Vision in the Glade of Shadowfire." Yeah, it's a very good song. And "Darkness Rape the Tranquil Shore of Eternity." Yeah, I think the album big...
0: finishes really strong. I think a lot of times, and like the last song on an album can be just stuck on there, but that one's great.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is that "Darkness Rape the Tranquil Shore of Eternity" is. Again, yeah, like I say, they, those two those two tracks for me are the two big standout tracks and kind of show where they go next. The, those are the best showcase of where they go next. It's just a shame the production, I think, lets those songs down a little bit. He's still very much using death metal growls rather than the, the more Scandinavian style vocals as well. So he's still very, very much stuck in that. You do start to hear some of his more sort of like death metal shrieks coming through on, on this album. But they're still used more as a secondary vocal rather than a primary vocal for, for this album as well. So but it, it, it's an okay album. It's a good introduction it's, it's certainly much better than the demos and it, it is a good introduction into who they start to become. But I just I, I, I just think some of the songs are just they're just nowadays they're, they're definitely very much a, a nothing song but i i also try and take myself back to that time and try and listen to it as if i was listening to it back then when it was when it came out and even then i'm thinking there's definitely bands out there that are doing similar styles but doing it far far better with much much stronger songwriting um much much better lyrics uh, and things like that especially when you then compare to what Cradle of Filth were doing around the same time as well and and the quality of what Cradle of Filth were kicking out in comparison to what Busted File kicked out on on this album in particular, you you could see there's a there's a, a a definite gulf starting to appear between those two bands. If you were just comparing, say, this one to Cruelty and the Beast or or you know Dusk and Her Embrace, if you were comparing this album to those, you'll you, be miles away from each other in terms of pretty much everything. But definitely check out those two tracks because they're, they're they're properly good.
0: Yeah, I think the, the black metal pur- purist would um, prefer this one to any cradle of filth because they are definitely going down that emperor early enslaved kind of route. But they like you say, they do they don't quite get there, but y- you can hear that rawness there, and they must have been incredibly young at the time as well.
1: Yeah, like I said, I don't know how old these guys are, but uh, you know, yeah, they would have still been early twenties at least, late late teens. So it's what three three years after, three four years afterwards. So yeah, they they would have they would have been in their early twenties at this point. So possibly still learning learning their trade craft a little bit, but they were starting to get on even bigger tours and stuff like that. I think they were getting they would again they were touring with Cradle of Filth. Um, I think they've had stints with cannibal corpse and people like that dissection as well so were, which definitely plays into the next album when, when if they talk with dissection. But early moon spell immolation. So they were still getting on those sort of like death metal tours as well with immolation and cannibal corpse. So is this and one of definitely...
0: the earliest examples of true British black metal?
1: I think so. I think this band probably would have had more influence on on some of those those truer black metal. Like if we start looking at sort of like Infernal Sea, uh, Winter Filth, and people like that, they would have more they would be more akin to Thus Defiled than Cradle of Filth by a long way. Completely.
0: So after in fact, let's go with chatting about their record company, so Dark Trinity Productions. I wonder what role they had in this not being a particularly well-produced album, because this was a label that only had seven releases, so it definitely yeah. wasn't um, a business that was thoroughly greased and knowing how to make a band big or how to make the best-sounding album, because, I mean, they, like I say, they had Dusty Files were at least two of those releases. So yeah. and it had another five releases, and one of them was a band called Denial of God, who um, I don't, I'm not really familiar with. And, and and none of these bands resulted in a big black metal band. So I wonder what role that Trinity had in them not thoroughly making it. I mean, they got on the huge tours, but then they didn't progress from there.
1: No, yeah, they just I don't know. I, I, yeah, maybe maybe the the labels that were releasing this. I mean, there there seemed to be like labels cropping up all over the place back in in the early 90s doing and and they would only release like two or three bands albums and then would disappear off the face of the earth again yeah completely and 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 I think there was a lot of that that happened in the in the 90s and I think a lot of that was just to do with it it was like mates of bands or it was band members who just thought okay well we're we're struggling to get onto any recognised label let's just release it for ourselves pretty much. I think that's primarily what this stuff was. It was all self-promotion so there was no real money behind any of these labels to be able to to promote this stuff in magazines as much, promote it into record stores, you know, to get get that buzz going about a band but and so i think a lot of these bands back then were relying on these tours to get in front of people and they would be selling their merch and selling selling these tapes and CDs literally there that's that was literally the only places where you could get hold of it you might find a few independent record stores that would go and buy you some of these records in because I know the one that I used to frequent quite a lot in Abingdon, they they would, if you knew an album was coming out and they didn't stock it, you could go in there and speak to them and and they would find some distributor that would be able to get hold of it for you. So, it, but again, you were looking, you were trying to find anywhere. So if you didn't have a label that was good enough to even afford to put in like even a half page advert or a quarter page advert for an album to come out and the the music in the, the the music magazine media press didn't touch you, then no one would know about it. So it, it would be again one of those you'd figure it out when they when they were on a tour and you'd pick up merch and music that way. I, I think that was that was the problem with really, really tiny labels like this Dark Trinity productions. And like you say, they 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 had a very limited release. Was it seven 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 albums seven albums that they released and two of those were from, from that's So yeah, it doesn't, I think, and I think one of the releases was a compilation as well, wasn't it?
0: Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause I had a brief look at it this morning just to see whether that label went on and did anything or whether it had any big other name bands in it and nothing. So Thus the file were the biggest band on that label, but they released two albums for them. So, but yeah, I think that, that stems from a lot of problems with a lot of the early day, is that those labels just had, had nothing, no way of pro- self-promoting anything to be able to get that stuff out there and into people's ears and faces. So, so after
0: after this first album, what then did they go on to do?
1: They went on and did Wings of the Nightstorm, which, having listened to their, all, all of their material, this is, I think, it is, is the best out of a lot of them. Uh, Songwriting-wise it was so so good and I think like after this there was quite there was a more of an upheaval in in their um in their band makeup so I think that's why some of the later stuff doesn't doesn't quite flow the same way as this one did because I think maybe it's different songwriters coming in and that sort of stuff but I think this is definitely the best album the the production here is miles better than the previous one. For a start, his vocals—he turns more to the black metal style vocals and starts using the death metal ones as secondary vocals a lot more. It just sounds a lot more black metally, so this this kind of cements them back into that fully into that black metal stuff. For me, the production is much better. The bass is in there you can hear that so much better the, the drums, drums sound awful. tighter uh, so are the drums less awful yes <laughs> it sounds little,
0: like someone was attacking a tin in the first album oh uh,
1: and and it sounds like his double kicks were hitting pillows um yeah. it was it was it, the, all the all the recording on this one is much much better by a long way, I, I'm not sure if they spent any more time in the studio or not, but they certainly seem to get the production that much better. I think maybe because they had toured with the likes of Cradle of Filth, Candlelight, Dissection, and, and people like that, that they realised if they spent a bit more time crafting the songs and crafting their sound, when they take it into the studio. If they can reproduce that, that they're managing like live, they w- they will get a much more improved record. And I think they did. For me, th- this is this is this is a really really good album. I- I've been thoroughly enjoying when this album comes on. Out of all of the all of the stuff that they've done, this is by far in the way, my favorite out of the lot. Okay. Um, th- th- two standout tracks on there for me: um, "Rapture of the Twilight Burning" and "Empire of Souls Bleeding." those two tracks i think are really really good really really well worth listening to they 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 properly they use the keyboards so much more wiser as well they do use it a little bit to enhance music but mostly again like i said earlier it's about adding to the atmosphere and it really really works they they whack in some they do they had they did learn a little bit from Cradle of Filth and Dissection to do this a little bit of the twin guitar assault type stuff at times but not excessively like Cradle of Filth went on and sort of like headed more down the sort of like heavy more heavy metal traditional type guitar sound and uh, movements but whereas this they they do stick with that black metal like Dissection did but introduce that element of that Twin guitar stuff that you get from heavy metal in it which just it just adds a bit more depth to this the whole album when you're listening to it it just makes it flow that much better and it just works better the the drums definitely sound like he's hitting a drum kit um, (laughs) which is nice yeah the riffs are really good they're solid all the way through this album I, I struggled to find a bad track on this album but just those really? two in particular yeah yeah the, but those two in particular really do stand out above them I mean it's it's not going to blow you away in terms of like comparing it to the current day black metal that's out there no, it We've mentioned. Up, uh... yeah it, I mean we we're, we're talking like 25 years ago aren't we so almost so th- there's a, been a long long there's a long gap between there's a long distance between that what was what was capable back then to what's capable now and um, that this album I I just thoroughly enjoy this album and I could quite happily put it into a playlist with modern stuff today and still enjoy it and and it won't compete with them but it will it it will run the course with them you know I mean it's not it's not going to outrun them it's not going to It's not going to win any awards or anything and saying, like, this is still fantastic. You know, this is this is still miles better than anything's being done today. But it's still going to be up there with with it uh, alongside it. And, And you can hear where some of this probably this album possibly has more influence on some of the more modern stuff than than certainly anything they did before this. I think this is the reason why in
0: 2003 they were voted best unsigned band in Terrorizer magazine. I think yeah. it's just it's just a shame that they didn't produce other albums like this. Uh, well, in fact, Shrubs, I mean, what what do you think? Where did then go from here? Did they, did they go up or is it just time that they melt away into obscurity?
1: They kind of, well, they did two other EPs after this and they've done two other albums. Well, they've done three EPs, but one EP doesn't seem to have been released anywhere. I found it on YouTube though, but um I haven't seen it anywhere else at all. But yet they kind of just started to disappear. They're still classed as being active and I think they still get on a few tours here and there, but they've, they've certainly not done anything since i think it's 2016 2017 okay. i think was the last release but even the two eps they did sort of like in 2000 and well i can't remember i think it's 2001 or 2002 the yes, second ep um they they remastered them and re-released them and in those those you can hear on spotify and it, they they're good but they've they the songwriting feels slightly different to this album and I think it's because they had quite they, they had at least two two members leave and another two members come in for that for those EPs. So you can kind of hear the difference in the bands. Um so for, I, the, I don't think so it's for the
0: essential listening with this band. And um, we're talking wings of the night Storm to get the
1: pin yes. of their career. Yeah, okay. yeah I think so.
0: All right then. Well, we won't be doing multiple parts about Thus Defile because we've managed to cover most of their work and definitely most of their important work. Yeah. So, Shrubbs, any parting remarks about Thus Defiled? I,
1: I I think if you want to understand British black metal, you you would need you'll need to go and listen to their stuff. I mean, they they are a part of they are definitely a part of British black metal history. And and worth a listen. People like yourself might enjoy the first album a bit more because it's it's a bit more rawer, a bit bit closer to the the sort like the culty purist sound that people like. I prefer the much fuller production sound that you get on the second one. So I I think over those two albums, people will get what they want to get from this band, and we'll see where they impact people's live uh, you know bands later on yeah I think so all right what a, good,
0: what a good way to finish there so shrubs I couldn't have said it better myself um, because I didn't do the research this week so <laughs> 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 all right then guys we will see you in a couple of weeks with more history of British black metal goodbye